Welcome to Grow, Cook, Inspire. I'm your host, Helen Cross, and this is a podcast which aims to encourage more of us to grow our own garden and cook from scratch, whether you're five or 85. But my main mission is to get more children sharpening their green fingers and stirring up homemade memories in the kitchen. In today's show, I chat to Dr. Baker brewer and Great Bushes Bake Off finalist James Morton. We cover everything from social prescribing to the sourdough lockdown boom, so stay tuned for that. I'll also be sharing the one ingredient everyone must put in their weekly shopping basket and my mini chefs will also share with you what they'll be planning to put on their pancakes for Pancake Day. I'll also give you a little guidance on more things to sew indoors if you're itching to get growing and you want to get a bit of a head start. But first, regular listeners will remember back in the first series, I chatted with Amanda Robinson, one half of Cafe Recharge based in Galashiels in the Scottish Borders. She and business partner Amy have been cooking up a storm using um, surplus supermarket food, which would have otherwise just been dumped. And they've been creating healthy and nutritious meals for people in need over the last year. Now, it had been their plan to open a pay-what-you-can cafe in 2020, but for the obvious reasons, they weren't able to do that. However, they have been able to get into their new premises and they have been able to provide a takeaway option for customers, preventing good food from going to landfill. So they're currently offering a range of delicious homemade soup, bread, teas and coffees to the general public. Their aim is to reduce the gap between food waste and food poverty. And if you want to find out more, find them at Cafe Recharge on their Facebook page or give them a follow on Instagram where you can find them at Cafe Recharge CIC. Now, in our last episode, we spoke about sowing tomato, pepper and chilli seeds now and letting them grow on the windowsill. If you haven't, don't worry, you can continue to do this right up until the start of March if you want to get a head start. And This is another great lockdown home learning activity to do at home and it requires minimal space and the beauty of growing these vegetables is that they can also then be grown on in containers. Now I don't know about you but as I notice the days getting ever so slightly longer I am bursting to get growing more than ever. I am so over winter. So this week think about ordering some seed potatoes for chitting. Now again if you google first early or main crop seed potatoes from the likes of Sutton's, Dobie's or Thompson and Morgan you can give growing potatoes a go this year and it's a great crop to grow and harvest with children. But why buy seed potatoes and not just use potatoes from the supermarket? Well, seed potatoes are closely regulated and have been since right about World War II because they're such a staple in our diets. Now, if you buy a seed potato, it's guaranteed to be healthy. It won't harbour or spread in any diseases in your crop of potatoes that you grow from home. So that's the reason why you buy seed potatoes. But what is chitting potatoes and why do I need to do this? Well, Chitting simply means encouraging seed potatoes to sprout before planting to give you a bit of a head start. So now is a good time once you get your seed potatoes to pop them in an egg carton and leave them in a light, cool but a frost free place. So think about your porch, 
uh, a greenhouse or a garage and um, they'll be ready to plant in about round about six weeks and the early varieties will be ready to harvest round about June time but before you even think about planting them out you're looking for a strong short green shoot to appear in the potato and it should be around about two to three centimeters long so give it a bash now, weather permitting, now is also a good time to head outdoors and spot snowdrops, whether it's in your park or in woodland. There are lots and lots of beautiful snowdrop walks across the country. So check out online and see if there are any near to you. But please be mindful of current national um, travel restrictions that are in place at the moment. Now, if you don't have any snowdrops in your garden, but want some for next year, then why not order them? in the green now. Now, in the green basically means that you'll get them just after the snowdrops have passed flowering and you pop them into the ground as soon as you get them. And next year, you'll get a really, really good, strong, healthy uh, display and you can have your own snowdrop walk. But now let's move on to this week's conversation. Um, just last week, I had a great chat with James Morton, who rose to fame as a finalist in the Great British Bake Off in 2012, while still at medical school. Now in his final year of his GP training, and with five books under his belt, as well as having dabbled in brewing beer and now roasting coffee, he and his wife have also welcomed their first child into the world just last year. A very busy man indeed. As ever, these interviews are being recorded remotely with minimal tech know-how from myself. So do expect some hiccups and some glitches and the occasional interruption from a small person. But as ever, it all adds to the authenticity of the podcast. Enjoy. Hello, how are you? Hi, not bad at all. Not bad at all. I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? Because I've had some problems over the last... You are absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. Excellent. Crystal clear. Good stuff. Lovely. How are you? What's happening in lockdown 3.56? I've lost count where we are. <laughs> it's been an interesting weekend. Um, we've had the uh, the baby's not been so well today. Oh, no. No fevers or anything like that enforcing uh-huh. isolation was hoping for for that so i could work from home tomorrow but uh-huh. uh, she's she, i don't know if it's just bad teething or oh. uh, just being a bit under the weather oh crap i i share her i'm yeah i'm feeling a bit crap and pissed off with everything so yeah it's, it's only right she should as well to be honest I think <laughs> what age is she now she is seven months oh man time flies what's it been like having a baby during lockdown Having a baby. Not that you've got anything to compare yeah. it, I guess. So yeah, it's, it's... I've ever known. Um, it's yeah. In, in many ways, it's quite good. Um, you know, Fenella, my wife, obviously spends a lot of time with the baby. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, she doesn't get to do the normal things like, you know, your baby classes. My yeah. parents have, you know, seen her a handful of times um, oh. when it was allowed because they're up in Shetland, so they can't travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard in many ways, um, yeah. but I'm sure you feel it as well with the oh, God, numerous offspring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've not seen my family since July or Jeff's family since July. So it's hard. and It's hard for the kids. I feel really sorry for the kids, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, They're sort of missing getting kids. to head out 
to see their family as well. Yeah, although kids are resilient. Um, oh, I know you say that, okay. but my oh, God, honestly, Otto told me last week that his home was not his school, and oh. uh, this was his oh. home, and he would not be engaging in home learning. <laughs> He's five. <laughs> Oh, it's good. Yeah, well, start 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 them politically early. Can... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Uh-huh. Anyway, James, let's kick things off. Um, many people will uh, have known you from back in 2012 when you were on the Great Great British Bake Off and uh-huh. runner up. That was the third series. I I don't even know what series we're on now. To be honest, since it's Who moved knows? over to Channel Four. I yeah, I don't actually watch it. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I was a big Mary Berry fan, so I couldn't I couldn't swap over to Channel Four. Mm-hmm. But um, as well as a baker, you're a doctor. You're in your final final stage of your GP training. Is that right? Yes, I am. Yeah. Halfway through my final year in GP training, so in six months' time, I will be assuming I pass all my exams and <laughs> um, a fully fledged general practitioner. Wow. Uh, currently, we're recording lots of consultations so uh can okay. be scrutinized that's my that's my oh. what my uh, time and energy is taken up with at the minute okay well that's interesting you can give some hints to jeff <laughs> <laughs> so dr baker food writer brewer and now a coffee roaster <laughs> um how where how on earth where do you get the time from um how do you do this juggle it does seem like a bit of a juggle um it kind of is a juggle, but the, the, I suppose my brain works in a very um, uh, almost attention deficit like way. I'll just hyper focus on one thing. So I'm never actually multitasking, never actually juggling okay. things at once. I'm just kind of focusing on one, letting everything else fall by the wayside for a little bit uh, and then moving on to the next interest. Um, and it, it does, these particular hobbies do tend to combine quite well i mean coffee roasting i do that about once a week or once a fortnight uh, brewing mm-hmm. once every month or two it's not it's not very often bread making is is a staple it's 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 you know twice a week properly yeah. a couple of loaves of sourdough each time so i do like to keep that up um and then you know you know how you can fit all these things or combine these things with with uh with work and uh i, I found a baby now yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> Uh, it's trying to uh, not put the mixer on during nap time and things like that. Yeah, I think Fenella would shoot you if you did that. <laughs> I would shoot you. <laughs> so you grew up in Shetland, um, but where did the sort of love of cooking and baking come from? Um, it has to be Shetland. I mean, not not just not just the kind of culture, which is part of it, but um, I lived or we lived as a family about about 100 yards from my gran, my maternal grandmother, uh, okay. who moved up from, from Glasgow uh, to be near us. And in Shetland, there's not a huge amount to do. Um, and the number of friends at school, and that was limited. You know, there's in, in my mm-hmm. entire primary school, all seven years, there were uh, between 20 and 30. Um, so down the end of the single track road that I lived, there was our house, there was and then there was Grant's house, and I would just get the school mm-hmm. to drop me off there. Um, and she would bake with me. Um, she made a mean lemon meringue pie, apple pie, Victoria sponge, the usuals. Um, Excellent. Uh, you know, always with the, the jam tarts with the leftover pastry. And I suppose that was where oh. the love of baking and sweet things came from. But I was, in terms of 
food in general I've always been a good eater I was grown up to be yeah, a, okay. to, to, to uh, you know in a large family uh, to to steal everyone else's food if they didn't finish it uh, quickly are you the youngest <laughs> I'm the problem middle child <laughs> oh I see yeah I've got one of those yeah. yes uh-huh okay right enough said enough said but you've got no formal training it's all just come from trial error and and practice so who who pushed you into sort of going on to the Great British Bake Off because um, that obviously has given you quite a good sort of head start yeah. as well and it, it's, it's worth saying actually going on the Bake Off and um, the process of doing it is like an intensive cookery school with a competition mm-hmm. every week so you have to you, you you know you have to up your game every single week and every week is a different school of baking it's you know paste mm-hmm. bakes bread you have to uh, you, you have to look at each one work out or if, if you want to do well have a look at each one work out how to do it well work out the standards and then then move on to a kind of extra piece of complexity that that that, that gets you or at least an addition of flavor that gets you um gets you noticed in Bake Off mm-hmm. um, so Bake Off itself is a massive learning experience and um, but prior mm-hmm. to that I actually worked as a pot washer in okay Ember and Jones in Glasgow Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, or in, in their kind of, they just opened up this production kitchen and bakery. And this uh, guy, Davey, um, who lives just around the corner from us now, is a, was the baker there. And he kind of opened my eyes to the world of, because I'd never even heard of sourdough before then. Um, he opened my eyes to all these worlds of breads, which, I, you know, I made bread at home um, just, you know, because it was cheap at the time. <laughs> you know, you can buy you yeah. a packet of flour for 40p. Yeast was negligible cost. And, um you could have uh, as a as a first year medical student you could have very good bread you know for pittance at home whereas now what what a, a sourdough is a fiver out of uh, mm-hmm. the posh deli um yeah so it was it was it was a combination of things it was that experience plus all of my friends just at medical school just pushing me into it just saying you know you've got you've got the most usps being young male um and uh have having a fondness for fair ale tank tops yes uh-huh <laughs> you have to play the game, you you? it's 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 um it's not just about who's the best baker is it getting on to bake off you know it's no i like i like your honesty because i think personality and like you say having a usp is is vital to get ahead in anything to be perfectly honest <laughs> so uh, good on you and uh, uh well done dave i hope uh <laughs> you you repaid dave uh yeah well <laughs> giving you a lunch. the baking in uh in kelvin pocket which uh if you're ever in if you're ever in the west oh i know where you are yeah kelvin down pocket. by this uh, yeah the underground so yeah. go and check him out oh Re- excellent because i didn't realize that repaid dave repaid dave cool but obviously you do a lot of sourdough baking you do that a lot that's what your instagram is all about and obviously your last book was super sourdough mm-hmm. and there's a relation between science in that and the making of bread and does your medical sort of brain does that link in with the sort of science behind the sourdough because it's a very technical book that you've written mm. about yes i think that sourdough in particular because there's so many aspects of it um microbiologically chemically um the, the, balancing the fermentation with the structure of the dough that's what sourdough is mm-hmm. um and you know I, I think 
is it a medical mind? I don't know. Med- all sorts of minds are. I don't know. That's a, a bit simplistic. Yeah, that. you know, no, it, 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 but a scientific mind, a, a kind of uh, a systematic mind, uh, something that wants to yeah. figure out how things yeah. work, um, and then I suppose it's just my notes. It's my um, portrayal of how things work is what I've put on the page, and hopefully other people find that handy at least or, or informative. Um, yeah. you know you can have sourdough is always going to be about trial and error not every house is the same temperature not every starter that you that you make is going to um burgeon in the no. same amount of time or with the same temperature it's 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 it is it is inherently unstable uh you, people's relationship with sourdough um but hopefully the guiding principles are are the same yeah, we, we had a starter along with thousands of other people in lockdown one because sourdough bread and banana bread were the two hottest cliches yeah. in lockdown one. But Bob, sadly, I mean, Bob died. Bob did not make it. My relationship with sourdough did not end very well. But your book is, is lovely and I learned a lot <laughs> from the book, but I, I failed to put it into practice. <laughs> uh, but that's I, fine. That's fine. I, I'll, I'll keep trying. Any top I, tips then? Well, the, the easiest way to get a good sourdough starter going is to get one off someone else um, uh, that, that's, that, that, that is going. And then you can make it your own by feeding it with whatever flour you like. Um, okay. And then keeping it active. So whenever you're not using it, make sure it's in the fridge, dormant and cold in the fridge. And then mm-hmm. the, the day before you're going to use it, feed it with always at least as much flour and water as you've got starter there so like a ratio of one part starter to one part flour to one part water um you know sort of always okay. feeding your starter with more flour and water than you have in starter is a, is a good rule to go by and that keeps it active um and then if during the eight hours so overnight say say you're gonna make sourdough in the morning mm-hmm. you feed it just before bed if it doesn't double in size, if it doesn't kind of kick off hugely, then just don't use it. It needs a bit of work. It needs okay. it needs some care and attention, usually some warmth and some good old rye flour or something. Oh, right. I have note of that. We'll give it a bash mm. and see. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not holding out. <laughs> I might just stick with my Morton rolls from the corner <laughs> shop. <laughs> yeah, you can do is if you know if you're not if you're not um, driven by the romanticism of sourdough, then you can make very, mm-hmm. very sourdough-like loaf by doing what's called a poolish or a pre-ferment um, with a okay. standard yeasted bread. So um, rather than just using your packet of dried yeast into your dough, instead, what you do is the night before, the day before, or a couple of days before, you make um, a small dough of just uh, flour, water, and yeast and let that, that ferment and then use that as your as a kind of pseudo sourdough starter to make your dough on okay. the day and it'll be much faster than sourdough and almost just tasty. yeah i haven't heard of that before okay i think that might that might be a better yeah, option a good... for me i'm going to give it a bash but um would you say obviously there are so many more people have been cooking and over the last 12 months did you see a sort of rise and increase in the, the number of books you were selling <laughs> in relation to bread and whatnot yeah both did, of, did it play to your advantage <laughs> yes it, um both of my bread books sold out amazingly had to be emergency really yes 
um the the brilliant brilliant bread which was my original one on just simple bread making uh-huh. uh, and then super sourdough they both sold out which was good um um really good i'm you know brilliant. Get, get some i get a few extra royalties thankfully out, out of that um yeah more importantly more people are bread baking um uh, and then that drove us to um create these two new books um which are Mm-hmm. basically boiled down pared down versions um for people who are a wee bit intimidated by all the science in in my in my mm-hmm. previous books one on one on bread one on sourdough sorry and one on beer um so okay. this is a kind of new series called from scratch which which sounds like maybe if if super sourdough is too much then maybe this is a is a good one for you helen i'll send you a copy Okay, thank you, James. That is lovely of you. That actually leads me really well onto my next question. <laughs> um, because so many more of us are at home and we have been cooking, I think there was actually research last week carried out in Scotland to say that more of us were cooking from scratch. Uh-huh. Um, what What do you think everybody, before they leave home, should be able to cook from scratch? Which three main dishes? Oh, uh, spag bowl, obviously. Okay. Um, you should have a repertoire of soups. Um, you should be okay. able to make a soup out of any vegetable. Um, and obviously, okay. loaf with that soup. Um, so you've got some right. dip in hummus uh, and and make a cheese sandwich to go inside. And if you can, if you can make a decent spag ball, uh, any any old, um, you know, you can mix garlic and onion and oil and stock and vegetable and make a soup and you can make a loaf of bread, then you will be in for a winner at university. You're sorted <laughs> for life. <laughs> Excellent. How do you think we get more people to cook from scratch? That's, I think I'm very lucky because I grew up in a sort of traditional sort of rural farming background <laughs> and that's just what my mum and dad did. They cooked from scratch and... And I married into a family who are all fantastic cooks. But how do we reach out to those people who are not necessarily from that type of background where cooking is just not not that the thing? It's difficult. Um, there's so many kind of societal issues and, and issues of privilege um, with regards to cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, the if you are on a you know on a low wage and you're working long hours, the last thing you're going to want to do is is put together um is have to think about buying all these different ingredients and then cook them for the family at the end of the day and especially if you've got two people working um you know those those long hours it, it can be very very difficult uh, for you to do that and um mm-hmm. people like us privileged who where we've grown up where even sometimes despite that we're still getting a a, a meal from scratch very rarely did my yeah. ever resort to ready meals and i think it i think it is that passing it down through generations so i think it's a slow burn um i think mm-hmm. a lot of people are being converted with with social media with this kind of as, the aspirational nature of social media people are being converted to try things and and cook mm-hmm. more often i think environmentally as well there's a big drive mm-hmm. for that both in terms of packaging and in terms of mm-hmm. the things you can do without meat. Um, and I think these things will hopefully both explode in popularity, which they are do, doing, um, but equally be ba- passed down through future generations. So, yeah, I think we're okay. mm-hmm. no, that... I think you're right about the aspirational thing. And also I've seen that a lot with sort of gardening and growing oh, as yeah. well, um, whether you're in 
a flat or a small house and you don't necessarily have a garden. There's so many more younger people are have begun growing their own, not to become sustainable uh, or self-sufficient, I should say, but um, just to give it a go as well and see what they can grow and then take into the kitchen as well. Um, I mean, the last year, that has just gone through yeah, the roof. Yeah, um, and it's, uh, you know, even with it living down the end of a lane and not having much of a garden to speak of, I'm still, you know, just thinking, oh, what, what, what can I fit in my pots? And, and you know... You know, this is yeah. coming from someone who loathed gardening as a teenager. Um, up in up in, mum's a very good gardener and would get me out weeding, and but she would have to pay me an extra hourly rate uh-huh. to, to actually get me to go and get rid of all the kind of invasive rocket species that had made their way across the garden. I absolutely hated it, and I could not see the point of it. Um, but the the idea of growing something uh-huh. to consume, I think, is the thing that that kind of got me interested in growing things to that that can then be preserved or pickled um and so you can actually that the idea not not of true self-sufficiency but of 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 some of no. something approaching uh, you know certain things um say green vegetables at certain times of year um or root vegetables in the winter it just it's all very tempting yeah oh no it's and it's addictive mm-hmm. once you start once you plant that fresh seed and then you watch it like throughout lockdown we just spent our entire time watching little seeds germinate. it was uh, magical and the kids loved it um really really loved it so i, I really encourage as many well, they, people they've to got get sort of kids I, gardening as well as they've growing. got a head start in uh, in kind of spreading the words to their pals at school hopefully they, hopefully they won't be yeah, uncool well, for well, doing we, so Oh no, they'll be they'll we'll see it's gonna be a new generation yeah. of cool gardeners. Like I can see it. It is gonna be the green is the new black. It totally awesome. is. Totally. But in terms of sort of cooking and gardening and going back to medicine, do you see much of a role if you're gonna go into mm. GP land in terms of social prescribing, just sort of to lessen obviously referring patients to non-clinical services. Um, Do you see that growing as time goes on in order to sort of reduce pressure on the NHS and other sort of services? Um, um, There's there's a growing mental health crisis um, within this country and probably Mm -hmm. across the world, actually, but at least here. And the there are numerous reasons for that but but part part of it is 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 the lack of the 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 kind of feeling of um achievement and feeling of um of worth and i think both gardening um and cooking and probably specifically baking all hit those pathways hit those triggers that make us feel good about ourselves um so Mm -hmm. i was involved in when i was doing my work in psychiatry just before coming into gp um, then I I created a, a baking group amongst the inpatients. And, you know, these are people with really severe mental illness, schizophrenia, bipolar, yeah. and they did absolutely brilliantly and found it extremely valuable. And we're in the middle of writing that up as a as a research piece. So that's taking me a very long time. Um, yeah, that's amazing. And, that's really interesting. And I think it is yeah. that kind of that everyone doing the same thing together that's specifically group baking which will presumably take a long time before we can do it again but everyone doing the same thing following a plan and mm-hmm. then getting this result at the end of it feeling really good about yourself is just amazing and that that repeatedly doing that whether it's you know delayed gratification gardening i would i would equate with brewing waiting weeks and weeks and months before you yeah, yeah. That you you pop uh, and you feel good about yourself maybe maybe that's why i'm addicted to all these things <laughs> 
yeah. no, there is an addiction too, and it also it also improves people's confidence, whether mm. you're five or eighty five. Um, I really think it does. So that that's amazing. That's really good. I see a book. I see a book. <laughs> Every time I speak to somebody on the podcast, we always come up with a book idea. So there's your new book idea: baking, baking. and mindfulness. Yeah. <laughs> we can we can we can do a we can do a we can do a co-authorship and we can you can do the gardening side right and gardening's got all these other as well as the kind of the the, the the super delayed gratifications you've got all those little bits of of triggers as you see the shoot come up as you as you i don't know as you worry about about two heavy rains and then suddenly it, it's getting bigger and it's looking better there's lots of turns there oh, and i think yeah. that would probably just enhance the satisfaction at the end um when it when if it works yeah. out when you get your squash or whatever um well i think i was going to say pumpkins are the best one to do in that sense because they are quite fickle things to grow and um, they grow so big but they hate they hate wind they uh-huh. don't like a lot of rain either and the slugs devour them so I had three huge big plants that would take over the entire garden but i got a total of three fruit from uh-huh. my three plants because they're so big but I was so proud Brilliant. of them because they were so big and uh but uh I, yeah it's addictive um but both cooking you know, and gardening are addictive being outdoors you've got getting fresh air you've got the social aspects you've got exercise our gardening is actually reasonable exercise and yeah. all these things that are good yeah. for your mental health anyway and then you've got the satisfaction yeah. on top yeah, of that totally. it's um there's a there's a great book yeah. actually that I'd recommend. Um, I've just been sent it. It's not out yet. I think it's out in a couple of weeks. It's called Slow Rise. It's by Robert Penn. It's about this okay. guy who um who basically decides to plant uh, an acre of wheat. <laughs> a, a local a local um uh, a local farmer lends him an acre, uh, and he but he basically goes through the entire history of wheat as he plants, harvests, threshes, mills. Uh, and then makes bread with this with this sweet um for, with his family for a year. So you should definitely look all right. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm googling it right now, and uh, that is perfect. I'm going to give that to Jeff for my birthday, and he can <laughs> put it on his Amazon list. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Now, there's one thing that we've not really talked about, um, but you have recently uh-huh. started a new venture roasting coffee yeah roasting coffee kelvin side coffee so tell us a little so bit more about I, that i've not actually gone kind of public with this yet but um oh, <laughs> oh it's an exclusive um, excellent so, <laughs> kelvin side coffee is basically um me roasting i wrote i roast coffee for myself um i i, I again a bit like okay. bread baking it's very very cheap and it's a it's a kind of once you go down the rabbit hole there's so many different turns you can you can take it is it is it's an amazing world uh, once you get into the coffee um and but from buying and looking at the processes the the countries that they come from the producers um and then how you roast it and so i was doing this over a stovetop in a little kind of south korean um roaster that looks a bit like a washing machine drum with a motor on the back uh, in a stainless steel box and you stick that on your your gas stove and that's what i was doing initially um, and it was just 250 grams at a time so one bag would do me a week but um it would fill the house with smoke because coffee uh, roasting makes quite a lot of smoke and i'd find that i'd have to the more coffee i drank the more roasting i'd have to do so um i upgraded <laughs> to an electric uh one kilogram roaster which i got from 
this guy sent it down from Aberdeen, who's moving back to the States. Um, it was very expensive. Okay. <laughs> and so I uh, needed right. to justify that expense. So I thought I will roast a kilo at a time. Um, you know, it's much quicker. It's in the garage. There's no smoke. So I could do multiple roasts and anything, you know, my, I'll roast for myself once a week. That was my rule. And um, I can send, I can send um, or deliver um, the leftovers uh, to to friends initially and then to mm-hmm. people who get in touch on Instagram. Um, so that's what it is so far. We're about to launch our online shop, which will hopefully increase the amount of coffee um, that we, we sell through really that but it's, it? it's really good fun and it's good for me learning um how to roast coffee really well and consistently uh-huh. um, to get a, get the same result each time but equally i'm kind of the, the coffee that i'm buying in the green coffee is really good and um, i'm selling it for fairly standard prices six quid a bag or so which is really cheap which is yeah. nice accessible and you're you're delivering yeah, it I've as got well a cargo bike. So Is that right? I, w- w- one of the things that I was doing, I've not done it for a, a, about a month and a half, um, but I was cycling to work in, in, in general practice and doing my house visits um, on my cargo bike, which has got this big kind of bucket in the front that I could stick my dog. Uh, okay. And um, it's electric, yeah. so I didn't need to worry about being super sweaty when I got to people's houses. Um, so... I've been using that bike to deliver it to people. So if you, if you, you know, if you want free delivery in Glasgow, you buy a couple of bags and I'll swing around one, one weekend. Yeah. That's brilliant. It's good. Great good idea. But Great again, idea. fresh air and you get that kind of satisfaction um, of, of delivering coffee, making people smile. And a, a particular pleasure at this time is because mostly, um, or about half and half right now, it's my pals and and strangers. Um, I get a, an excuse to go and see my pal to drop oh. coffee, co- coffee on their doorsteps, and stand and have a quick leather socially distance. You've broken up, James. Oh. Sorry about that, Helen. Can Hello, you you're back. Oh, I don't know what happened there. I think it's my it's an issue at my end. Don't worry. Um, no, you're probably saying that you're able to see friends while you're delivering the coffee. Yeah. Is that right? No, just or am I putting words in your yeah, mouth? That is that is exactly right. I'm able to not 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 see them in any kind of meaningful way, but see them so step and have a thirty second blether. It's really quite nice. Um, just to yeah see, see people face to face. Yeah, it's the simple things, totally. Uh, I'm looking forward to being able just to have a cup of coffee in a coffee shop with friends. Um, I miss that. I do miss that. Yeah. But I also miss having people round for dinners. Oh, and normal service resumes. Who uh-huh. would you, which five famous faces would you have round the dinner table and what would you cook for them? Oh God, that's really difficult. Um, so, um, so first person would be um, a famous face, but it's also my pal Tim Hayward, who um, is a food journalist with the FT and is also yep. on the kitchen cabinet. He mm-hmm. um, recently was in ICU with COVID, uh, and has done amazing oh, wow. to recover from that. He's in hospital for a month, um, and is back and getting fighting fit so definitely have him round um who else would i have uh oh god this is a really difficult one rich diawadi because he's super funny um 
okay. Mary Berry for thankfulness. I would, definitely wouldn't uh, wouldn't have Paul Hollywood. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you've you've mentioned yeah. that before. <laughs> uh, I, I he's, he's not bad, uh, just not for a whole evening. Um, the uh, okay. I would have Sue Perkins. There's a good one again for an, an okay. entertainment value. Uh, one more. Hmm. Um. No, nah, that that'll do. <laughs> That's a good. Okay, okay. And what are you going to cook? I'm going to cook um, pho, um, Vietnamese uh, noodle soup with uh, beef. Okay. Um, beef shin or something. Really, really kind of slow cooked meat that's boiled for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, and hours uh, until you've got this amazing broth, and then topped with all the accoutrements possible. Um, all- Herbs and okay. onions and and sriracha. Uh, <laughs> I I see you. I've got a little friend has <laughs> joined me. <laughs> give me some time. We were having cake. It's Ivor's birthday, and there's still one two left. Oh, <laughs> what sort of cake did you make? I want some time. We made. I had a very traditional vanilla sponge from the Cakeology book, and uh, we covered it in green buttercream icing. With popcorn and dinosaurs. Awesome. <laughs> that is <excellent. laughs> It was brilliant. It was brilliant. So main course, what would be for main course? Oh, oh that's just a starter. Oh, was, oh, oh right, was that oh, a starter? Was that was the main, main course? course. Um, so let's go back then. Let's, for, for a starter, we would have, um, yeah, because a pho is really so quite substantial, massive bowl of liquid. Serve that with a good homebrew okay. lager. Um, for I would have okay. probably stay the Vietnamese theme and have some kind of mango-y salad sort of thing. Um, and then for dessert, sticky toffee pudding with ice cream oh. and custard. Brilliant. Brilliant. I might just be your fifth yeah, person then. <laughs> I'll come right. You can feed me the leftovers. Listen, James, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. I really appreciate no it. Are there any other books coming out that we should be aware of? Well, or who knows um, what the future holds? But, um, who knows? The, the, okay. The new ones are okay. uh, Sourdough from Scratch and Brew from Scratch, which are my two guidebooks to make sourdough okay. and beer. And we'll see what happens in 2021. Yeah, who knows? Okay. And I hope Lily feels better soon Thank as you well. So much. I hope she gets a good sleep. Right. You take too. care, James. Bye. Bye. listening to Grow, Cook, Inspire. A special thanks to James Morton for joining me on the show today. And remember, if you buy one ingredient this month, make sure it's blood oranges, or as my five-year-old Otto likes to call them, jelly oranges. They are well worth buying and they're my favorite seasonal ingredient for February. They will really banish any winter blues. And also remember it's pancake day coming up so the perfect excuse to have pancakes for breakfast, lunch or dinner. Until next time, keep growing and cooking. Bye.